0: City Church, why don't you go and take your seats. so glad that you have carved out some time uh, to gather together around God's Word. Uh, I'm excited for us to, to launch into a, a new series that we're simply just calling This Collection of Sermons, um, One Week Away. And this is going to lead us up into Easter. Uh, and I know we've already talked about it. I know we've already highlighted it, uh, but I want to encourage you. Um, would you kind of pray about Uh, maybe a person, maybe a couple of people um, to invite on Easter Sunday. And here's why. Um, There are two times of of year where people are, man, they're just open to come to church. And you'll be surprised. They'll just say yes. And here's the thing. I, I have stories of friends of mine whose lives were transformed because someone made the invite they came to church on Easter Sunday, and they gave their life to Jesus. And I'm just telling you, friends, uh, in case we forgot, that's what this thing is all about. That's why we gather, so that we could lead people uh, into their next step of following Jesus. And so here, here's what I can promise you. On Sunday, I'm going to preach that thing. Uh, on Easter Sunday, we're going to do what we do here. But, but it is going to be targeted. Um, we want people to hear the gospel. We want people to hear um, the message of Jesus and the hope that is found in Christ. And so let's work together, right? Let, let's, let's do this together. Um, we're going to all do the asking. We've got some cards out there. Again, we'd love for you to use them. It's a great tool. There have been people that have been coming ever since we've been using those cards. There have been people that have been showing up and letting us know, hey, I'm here because somebody, um, somebody gave me one of these cards or somebody left this card uh, at a coffee shop. And so listen to me. It's working. It's working. And so there's a couple of ways, and we'll talk about this over the the next few weeks. Post on your social media. Invite people to church. Um, Use the cards. Use conversations. Don't be weird, okay? Don't be a a weird Christian, but just be like a super normal Christian, right? We're real normal here. We want to be normal. Um, And so don't do weird stuff. Be normal, but make the ask. Invite them to church. Invite them to sit with you. Um, It's always funny to me when people invite people to church, and they don't tell them what service they go to. Your friend shows up to church in the second service, and here you are sitting in the first service having the time of your life, angry that your friend didn't show up. And now the friend has to go to second service. Like they don't have any friends. And so like, we don't want that. How about a friend? So, again, Easter Sunday is going to be very, very exciting for us. So for the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking uh, at passages of Scripture sort of in that window of time of the very last week of Jesus' life and see what they have to say to us. There's some things we can pull from them, some things we can be reminded of. But what I want to invite us to do as a church over the next few weeks uh, is not kind of rush past Passion Week, not rush past the cross just so that we could get to Easter uh, in the empty tomb. Uh, but much like we do in the Advent season, uh, during this Easter season, what we need to do is prepare our hearts, ready our minds, and really settle in. Man, what is, what is God wanting to say to us man, a fresh and anew uh, this Easter season. And so are you ready for God's word this morning? Yeah. Come on, let's go to Matthew uh, chapter number 21. Matthew 21, and we're going to begin reading. We're going to begin reading at verse uh, number 33. Matthew 21, beginning at verse 33. This is Jesus here. And so here, uh, another parable. There was a A master of a house who planted a vineyard, and he put a fence around it, and he dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenant took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And again, he sent other servants more than the first And they did the same to them. And finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants saw the son. When they saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? What a question. And they responded to Jesus. They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to the other tenants who gave him the fruits in their season. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the Scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard these parables, they perceived he was speaking about them. And although they were see- seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. Well, church, let's bow our heads and our hearts for prayer. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we we pray now, God, that by the Holy Spirit, we would receive your word. God, we know that the the carnal man cannot receive spiritual things. So God, what we desire is that you would awaken our soul to commune with the Spirit of God here and now. Let us be the soil that finds your word and it goes deep, deep into us, plants root, produces fruit. God, this is what we desire. And So God, I pray in the next few moments, God, that you would speak through me, God, that you would use me to communicate precisely what you want your people to hear. But God, if you can't speak through me, Would you speak in spite of me? Let the Holy Spirit come and weave in the pauses between the sentences and paragraphs and do a work in this place. Holy Spirit, we say, come. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. Now and forevermore. And all God's people said, amen. Jesus's final week on the earth is Really filled with a lot of activity. There are some things that are happening. There are some powerful statements. And I want us to even take notice in the, the passage that we read today, kind of where it falls sort of on Passion Week is probably somewhere around the end of, of Monday. And no, notice that Jesus now, kind of in, in part of his life and his ministry, it's not that he's speaking veiled much anymore. Do you notice how this passage is pretty? poignant. We don't have to be biblical scholars to sort of get a sense of what Jesus is is saying. He's referencing to them in this passage. He's saying to the Pharisees, and again, Jesus is is kind of sharp. You remember, when you look through Jesus' ministry, his strongest words were for who? The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the church folk. Jesus was always pushing on them. Why? Because they were saying one thing, but their heart was living another. Here's always the port of caution for for all of us who are are professing Christians, who are following the Lord, who are doing our best to serve God. Here's always the checkup we should be doing in our life. Do our words match the motivations of our heart? Do the inclinations of our our life, does it match what we're saying? And if we're honest, we're all going to find ourselves to be hypocrites now and then, wouldn't we? Absolutely. If you don't think that you're a hypocrite, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> you hypocrite. But here's the deal. I don't want you to move into the neighborhood of hypocrisy. I want you just to visit it from time to time and leave that place quickly. And understand that when you were there, hey, this isn't a good place to be. Jesus' words now to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, and these aren't veiled conversations he speaks to them in parables because he wants them to capture it. He's still sort of doing his thing. This is his methodology. This is the way in which he teaches. But now this parable is very, very clear. And what he's saying to them is throughout the history, God has provided prophets and preachers and poets. And what have you done with the messengers that God has sent you? You have beat them. You have bruised them. You've battered them. You've not taken heed to the warning. And so he walks to them. What's going to happen? You're going to have the kingdom of God that was brought To you that God wanted to bring to you, now someone else is going to get to experience. And what Jesus is saying is not that he's casting aside the people in the plan of God that we see working throughout the Old Testament and into the New, but this is actually a foreshadowing of the work of Paul's ministry later in the New Testament, where he takes the message of the kingdom of God, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And all of us here this morning who are not Jewish, what do we say about that? Thank you, Paul. Appreciate your work. We are here because in this passage, what the Bible is saying, what Jesus is telling them, listen, I came to make sure that salvation was going to come to you, and what's happening is you are squandering the opportunity. You're missing it. You're missing the opportunity to receive the gift of God. It's fascinating to me that Jesus, as he does often, uses Old Testament passages Sort of to not just strengthen an argument, but actually to provide clarity as to who Jesus is. Anybody ever have the moment where you watch a sequel film without seeing the first film? Anybody, a couple of us? We're the weird people. Everybody in the room is like, no, you see the first movie first. But have you ever had that moment where you walk into, or maybe you're walking into a story that's being told, and you didn't experience the other part of it? You're able to track along with what's happening. But if you have the context to the other movies, it seems to make sense. My, my family and I, we were a little bit late getting into the sort of Marvel universe. Yeah. Well, praise God, we have. <laughs> and so last year, we had this sort of endeavor that we were going to catch up to the rest of the world. And so we watched every Marvel movie show in order. Here's what I'd like to report to you. They're all the same movie, guys. Every one of them. And they're all about 45 minutes too long. That's what I bring to you from from our findings. But, But here's the reality. If you watch one of them, you'll get a sense of what's happening. But when you watch them in order, you begin to see all of the ways in which they're layered. You begin to see the nuance. You begin to see the points. You begin to see sort of what's the underpinnings of some of the characteristics in other places. And so what Jesus does is he's taking and capturing two Old Testament passages in the midst of this parable. And he's using them to show and communicate an even deeper reality. It's kind of for us here when we use language and we use words that's common to everyone and it gives an understanding of what happened historically. All of us have experienced and are old enough in this room, if someone just says to them, September 11th, immediately we all have a common understanding of what took place, emotions, and all of the stuff that sort of surrounded that. So what Jesus does is he uses Psalm 118 and he uses Daniel chapter 2, maybe in your reading this week, or if you have time this afternoon, maybe you'll you'll just take some time and you'll read through Psalm 118 and Daniel chapter 2. But let me me paraphrase Daniel chapter 2 for you. Daniel chapter 2, he basically talks through, and Daniel says he he saw this vision, this, this dream of a huge statue that was made of gold. Its chest and arms of silver, its middle, a section its thighs were of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet a mixture of iron and clay. And then there was a stone which came and struck on its feet the iron and clay and smashed them. And then the whole the whole thing came crashing down and it was broken into a million pieces. But the stone itself became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Man, what a what a beautiful dream! What a beautiful sense even of Of prophetic undertones that Daniel is sharing. And and here's the the crux of it. The crux of it, the the vision and the message that that is happening in in Daniel chapter 2, is that there will always be empires of this world. But there is a kingdom that has come to shatter the empires of this world. That they'll rise up, that they'll rule, that they'll reign, that they will seem to be indestructible and unable to be defeated. But our God that seems to be an insignificant stone shatters them, smashes them, and then grows into a large mountain. Jesus references this. Why? Because he's wanting his hearers to be put on notice. And not only is he the cornerstone, quoting Psalm 118, but he is also the smashing stone, talking about Daniel chapter 2. He's almost saying to the people listening, hey, be careful. On what side you end up aligning with, because what you think to be the position of power and what you think to be the very thing that is going to give you security may not be as strong as you think that it is. Jesus is speaking very strongly, very powerfully in his spinal week. A couple of things I want you to grab hold of today. The very first uh, is simply this, that there is a lack of loyalty. There's a lack of loyalty in the people in this passage. It's what Jesus is frustrated with. It's what, it's what God is sort of rebuking. And I'll be honest, with with us today, it is the thing that we have to consider and think about of ourselves. There's a a lack of loyalty. There's a lack of fidelity. There's a lack of us submitting our life fully and in totality to God. And let's just think about this just for a moment. We live in a time in human history where we have access to more biblical knowledge than ever before. If you have a phone in your hand right now, you have the ability to download in an app 180 plus versions of the Bible. Think about this. There have been seasons in history and there are places on planet Earth right now that do not have access to the translated written word of God. And here you and I walk around with 180 translations whenever we want to. We have more access, not just to the scriptures, we have more access to scholarly research that can give us an understanding and depth of knowledge into the scriptures easier, quicker, faster than ever before. Some you have to pay for. Some is free for us online. We have access to all types of information, more than ever in the history. We have the scriptures. We have opportunity. We get to gather here today freely. I don't think anyone came here today and you felt like your life was at risk coming to church. The only, the only way some of you, your life was at risk coming to church is because of the way in which you drive. And that's not my fault nor the government's fault. That's on you, homie. But think about this. None of us live in a place where we are nervous. Isn't that the beautiful freedom that we have in our, in our country? one that we should forever celebrate, always be proud of, love the fact that we can gather here today worshiping our God, free from a sense of, of persecution. The La- last few weeks I've been around just some different missionaries and talking with different people who are, are serving the Lord and who are working to get the message of, of the gospel into the hands of many different people and they're sharing stories as far as what's happening in other places around the world. And, and can I... I just want to remind us here for a second, none of us, none of us should be using the word um, persecution like ever. So somebody said something mean to you, that's not persecution. Being nervous that you're going to be burned alive for the sake of the gospel, that's persecution. I, I, honestly, I had this moment of just, just complete sort of rebuke and a complete sense of I was like, man, sometimes I get like jammed up on stuff that don't even matter. We have more access. We have more opportunity. We have security. We have have the ability to pursue the Lord. And yet, here's the question we should ask ourselves. Has any of that produced a deeper fidelity to the Lord? Has any of the things in which I mentioned in us produced a stronger loyalty to God? Are we now more tenacious about the way in which we follow Christ. Here's my fear. My fear is that we have more access, we have more opportunity, we have more knowledge, but we do not have more wisdom, we do not have more passion, we do not have more fire of the Holy Spirit in us that will propel us into deeper places of relationship and trust and loyalty to the Lord. So what we end up being is, is people that walk around and we exchange ideas and we entertain thoughts about Jesus, but we're actually not allowing our lives to be transformed and then submitting to the Lordship of Christ. Many of us love Jesus as our Savior, but we're not comfortable with Jesus being Lord. Because we've worked long and hard to be the, the master of our own domain. We've worked long and hard to be the one that's guiding our ship. We've worked, we've worked too hard. To give up any sense of authority, power in our life. And friend, listen to me. If we have not made him Lord of all, what does the homie Clive say? Then he's not Lord at all. That's a C.S. Lewis reference. Some of you are wondering if that was a rap reference. It wasn't. We'll get to that later, I'm sure. There's a lack of loyalty. I want us to consider this. I want us to think about this because as we're walking through and we're thinking about being one week away from the crucifixion and as we're looking at the life of Jesus and we're seeing him kind of come to his death, did he do all of this, friends, just for us to gather and sing a few songs, exchange some ideas, or is there something else going on? Is there something else underneath the surface that maybe we haven't tapped into I believe that the Spirit is drawing us to that place man, where our lives are committed deeply to the Lord in ways like never before, where our mind is being renewed, where our life is being transformed. The the second thing I want to simply say and offer you is this, and it's a a reminder from the text, don't kill the messenger. How many of you have ever had to come and bring someone bad news, but you weren't the person that, the bad news originated with you were that middleman. You were just sort of in, and did you, did you ever say this? Hey, don't kill the messenger. Hey, this isn't my idea. Hey, I'm not the one saying this, but I, I've got don't take it out on me. Here's the question behind the question for you and I: How are we receiving the word that God is bringing to us? I'm not just talking about here on a Sunday. But I do think that is a space. How are you receiving the word? How are you posturing your life? How are you sitting underneath the, the teaching and the, the delivering, the preaching, the reading of the word? How is your life situated underneath that? Is it a constant flow? Is it sort of a steady drip? Is it every now and then you put your feet? Amanda, are you submersion? Like, like how are you engaging with the word of God in that way? But, but here's the other things that I want us to consider. And there are people in your lives that I believe probably have a prophetic edge to them. And here's what I mean. There are people that have prophetic edges and they don't even know it. They just have the ability of seeing the inside. They just have the ability of seeing the thing that's happening, the thing beneath the thing. They have the ability of just simply giving you the word that gives you clarity as to what God is saying to you in our lives. There are sometimes where there is this sort of overarching word, but then sometimes there's just this word of knowledge, if you will, that sometimes it's just right on time, And that person didn't even know what they were saying. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You had these moments. Some of y'all need better friends. How are you receiving? How are you receiving the word from the spirit? The the written word. How are you receiving the word that a a friend gives you? Here's the other thing I want to challenge you with. How do you deal with rebuke? How, How do you deal when someone corrects you? How do you deal with someone that adjusts you? Listen to me. If your friendship's in your life are not corrective in nature. I mean this. I said it jokingly before, but I mean this now. Get new friends. I, I, I desperately am grateful for the relationships in my life. They, they adjust. They call out. You guys got a chance to meet uh, Josh Turner a few weeks ago. So y'all remember Josh? Bald head beard. Less attractive than me. Um, but it's true. And so... Josh says this about himself, and I, and I love this description. He says, "He says I'm," he said, "I'm like the, I'm like the scale at the gym." He said, "Baby, I don't lie." And I was like, "I love that." He said, "I'm like the scale at the gym." And listen, there's been moments where I've I've called Josh, and, I've, and, and Josh will say, "Hey," you know, give me a little adjustment. There'll be times where Josh is saying stuff, and I'm like, "Hey, man, you need to shut up. Don't, you don't need to say that anymore. That that's not." I I just love friendships that will will challenge. You see, many of you, you have great relationships that challenge you intellectually. You have colleagues that you can swap ideas and you can exchange thoughts, and there's a thing that there's progress. Do you have people in your life that actually challenge you spiritually? Listen to me. If you're married in this room, husbands and wives, here's the invitation. Challenge one another spiritually, and that's going to be one of the most awkward endeavors that you will ever face in your marriage life. But if you step into that moment and you'll you'll live in this sort of rhythm of desiring the best for that person. You see, a challenge without caring, that confrontation without caring will not equal growth. But confrontation plus caring equals growth. So listen, in our relationships, if we're going to confront, man, we have to have this sense and this desire that we care for the betterment of of the individual that we're confronting. Listen. There's been many times in my life when I was younger, I would confront and had no concern about someone's growth. Love being right. Love being smart. Love being able to wield the scriptures how I needed to to make my point. And would go, stay warm and well fed. And I'm just telling you, the, the older and maybe it's kids, maybe it's gray hair, no hair. I don't know what it is, but it's. I'd like to. I'd like to think maybe it's the maturity of the Lord. Man, now for me, confrontation is an opportunity to help someone grow. And I see the same thing in my life. But listen to me, if we're always posture where we're killing the messenger who's bringing the bad news, whether it's the preacher, whether it's the prophet, whether it's the poet, whether it's the friend, whether it's the spouse, whether it's our child. Listen to us, many of us have to live in a humility where we can allow our kids to say things to us that mold us and shape us. Caden, that's for everybody else in here. That ain't for you, son. Um, Third thing I want you to grab hold of today is simply this. Here's where we'll land. Christ desires to be both the cornerstone and the smashing stone. Cornerstone, we understand from Psalm 118 what is being commuted. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Cornerstone is the the very stone that secures foundation. It makes sure that that everything is built sturdy. Even when I say that, you know what it reminds me of is the teaching in Matthew chapter 5 earlier in Jesus' ministry where he says what? He says there's two types of builders. Those that build on sand and those that build on what? Firm foundation. Cornerstones, if you will. And Jesus says, I am to be that in your life. I am to be the thing that you are building your business on. You're building your career. You're building your marriage. You're building your family. You're building your life. Not parts of it, but all of it. You're building it on Christ. Can we say amen? That's a good thing, we wanna do that. But can I also invite us to this place where Jesus desires today, friend, to be also the smashing stone in your life. Some of you are carrying ideologies thoughts, wounds, patterns, behaviors, past performances and experiences. And those things may need to be smashed to pieces. No longer something that is being weighed down in your mind and in your heart. Jesus desires, friend, the sin that so easily entangles all of us. Let the smashing stone take care of some of this once. And for all, can I encourage you with this? Some of you are struggling with things that Jesus has died for. You don't have to struggle any longer. Stop trying to make things that the smashing stone will take care of. Stop trying to make those things the cornerstone. Man, but allow Jesus, the work of the Spirit, to come in and break the very things that need to be broken off. What thought, friend, in this room right now that maybe you are entertaining and carrying needs to be destroyed? What pattern? What behavior? What addiction? What what proclivity? What, what desire that maybe you have gotten too comfortable with when the scripture says we're to flee from. Maybe the scripture says we're to abstain and you've been indulging. This friend is the moment where we say the smashing stone comes in and breaks it to pieces. Breaks it to pieces. Don't spend your life building an empire that Jesus is trying to destroy with the kingdom of God. Would you bow your heads? Would you pray with me today, friends? Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for this, this hard word. Jesus, you are, you are both the cornerstone and the smashing stone. You are, Lord, calling us to a place of deep loyalty, deep trust, singular devotion. I think sometimes we smooth out the edges of Jesus' words so that they're not so difficult for us to deal with. I pray that we would put that sandpaper away. And loud the hard words of Jesus give us the life that he has purchased for us. Are you here? Heads bowed, eyes closed. You say, Charlie, I'm just struggling right now. I just I haven't been. I'm just struggling in loyalty. I just haven't been loyal to Jesus. I've been loyal to Jesus and Jesus in my work. And you can fill out in the blank. Your job's a good thing. I want you to have a job. Jobs are great. But if your work, if your career is getting more of your devotion than the Lord is, I'm going to be friend enough to tell you that that's sin. And we need to let the Lord break that. Are you here? You'd be honest and vulnerable enough to say, Charlie, I've been struggling in that area, just been struggling with loyalty to Jesus. I've been struggling with that sense of fidelity. Thank you for your honesty, friend. Thank you. Anybody else, I want you to lift your hands up. I want to pray, we're gonna pray specifically. I see that hand, yes, amen, 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 amen. There's no shame in that game. It's always weird where we, we, we feel this rush of shame when we're about to make, have this moment of confession and sort of breakthrough. That's the enemy of your soul. Enemy of your soul disguises itself so much as pride. Anyone else before we just pray? Just a sense. We want the Lord to give us a deeper sense of loyalty. Yes, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So, Father, you see our hands, God. The hands both a confession, both a sign of repentance, but also, God, just a sign of our desire. that we want more of you. We want you, God. So by your spirit, not our effort, not our striving, but by your spirit. Your spirit is the wind in our sails. Your spirit is the breath in our lungs. Your spirit propels us into devotion. Your spirit drew us in the first place, and your spirit will keep and sustain us. So, God, may we receive the grace of God. And I? we also now receive the power of the Holy Spirit, enabling us to live a life of devotion to Christ. Church, would you stand to your feet all across this room? going to close our time together just going back into that song that we finished. I, I love the, the bridge where we declared that His way is better than our way. Friends, listen to me. If this is the moment where we talked about making Christ the cornerstone and also allowing him to be that sort of smashing stone in our life, as we're singing, as we're lifting our voice, why don't you allow the Lord to do that? Secure himself as the chief foundation of your life, but also give the spirit access and room to come in and break up all of the things that we've been clinging to and we've been holding on to. So church, come on, would you lift your voices? Would you worship with us?